Welcome. I am Laura Anderson, president of Veterinary Career Services. VCS is a recruiting firm for veterinarians, veterinary specialists, and management professionals. We are passionate about helping people achieve their career goals and lead a rewarding life. VCS is hosting this podcast series, Veterinary Specialist Career Insights, to provide insight into the career paths of accomplished veterinarians and learn more about their challenges along the way. These doctors have shared their ups and downs in their careers, the most rewarding aspect of being a veterinary specialist, and they also provide advice for those just starting out. I am extremely grateful to them for speaking with me. Thank you for joining us. Hi, today I'm speaking with Dr. Lenore Basic, a criticalist who is presently a clinical programs manager at Blue Pearl Veterinary Partners. Dr. Basic graduated from veterinary school at Ross University, then went on to an internship at Louisiana State University. She completed her residency in emergency critical care at Auburn University, and then became a member of faculty for, for over seven years. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Basic, for speaking with me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Great, great. So I guess I just kind of wanted to ask you to take a step back when you were in the third year of your residency and considering your your next move, were you always geared toward academia or were you considering both academia and private practice positions? I, I was considering both and actually interviewed in both. Um, I think what really made me decide to stay in academics was the the teaching aspect. You know, obviously there is some teaching in private practice depending on the clinic you're at, and there's always you know technician training and new doctor training. Um, but I really like the hands-on clinical training that we get to do with the fourth year students, with the interns, and then with other residents. Mm-hmm. So that's why you you decided to go that route. Was the teaching was the primary? Yeah, primarily for teaching. Um, I also like research. Um, I, I was a clinical track person, meaning most of my time was spent on clinics. But I still had a research commitment and the you know an obligation to to do research. It was more clinical based, um, but I really enjoyed doing that and the ability to you know collaborate across specialties, um, to collaborate across clinics. Um, and you know, publish and hopefully make a difference in the in the literature. Uh huh. What was your research focused on? Um, so a little bit of everything. So when I was a resident, I did some research on um, coagulation disorders with different fluid types. Um, and then when I became faculty, I worked a lot with the residents on their projects. So we did a lot of different things. Um, we did some stuff with coagulation disorders, but also we did um, some electron microscopy stuff with central lines. Um, we did some stuff with drug pharmacokinetics. So really, you know, it was whatever they were interested in. We just helped them, you know, with that. Okay, got it. So how much of your time was spent on research versus clinical practice versus teaching? So my teaching component was about 80%, and that included clinics and teaching. So I was on clinics for um, about two-thirds of the year, and then the rest of the time I was on research. You know, and during that time, I would also work on lectures and teaching material for the residents, um, and then you know, write manuscripts if something needed to be done. Um, and then, like I said, that teaching component included both clinical teaching and didactic teaching, so lectures to the under undergrads um, as well as the clinic floor. And how many residents were in the program when I was a resident, or when I was a faculty? Oh, when you were a faculty, uh, we had five residents, and right before I left, we actually got a sixth resident. 
Mm-hmm. Got it. What were the biggest challenges that you faced as a professor? Was it managing your time or? Yeah, it, it's hard in acad- academics because you do wear a lot of different hats. Um, you know, you are a clinician and still a huge part of my job was patient care, but you're also training residents, training interns, training students, and then doing research. Um, and another part of academics that often gets forgotten is the administrative side. Um, so as you kind of move up the the food chain, you get more uh, committee duties assigned to you, which take up a lot of time, unfortunately. So there becomes a lot of administrative stuff that goes along with it. So I think just really, you know, balancing all that stuff and and trying to still do what I enjoy, which was clinics and teaching and not sort of get um, carried away with the administrative side as much as I could. How long were your work days? It, it depends. So definitely on clinics, they were longer. I mean, as faculty, I usually came in around 730. And then we tried to wrap up the day by 530 or six. But certainly there were nights I was there, you know, with the residents helping with critical cases till, you know, nine or 10 o'clock. On research, my time was a lot more flexible. I usually worked more of a nine to five schedule, um, you know, just because I didn't have any clinic oversight during that time. Did you have on call responsibility? I did. Yeah. So there were three faculty, so myself and two others, and we would split on call. Um, So usually I'd be on call for a week or two in a row at night and on the weekends. And then our residents were really good. We would go in if they had a case, you know, that they couldn't get stable or um, something like a ventilator case. They called frequently, but I really didn't have to go in super frequently, which was, was good for my schedule. Okay. As mentoring critical care residents, what did you see them struggle with the most? I think work-life balance is really hard. I mean, I think across the veterinary medicine field right now, work-life yes. balance is hard, but certainly for a specialty like ECC, where you know emergency is sort of the catch-all service, um, you know, if cases can't get in or need to get in sooner, they come through emergency. Um, and then certainly with critical care cases, the residents, you know, they get called a lot, they get called in a lot. And I think just the personality that ECC attracts is usually more of a type A personality, sometimes has trouble sort of letting go and and moving a case on to the next person. Um, So just trying to help them, remind them that they are people and they need to remember what they enjoy doing outside of work, um, hobbies, and, you know, if they like musical instruments or if they like reading and, and still trying to find time to do those things and not you know, just become a resident for three years. Mental health right now is such a hot topic. Right. And in your field, it's, you know, it's so tough because most of your clients or your patients are extremely sick. So you've got an extremely sick patient and an owner who's really scared. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's a hard combination sometimes. I think unfortunately in ECC, there's a lot of really sad cases. I mean, there's definitely really great wins. And, you know, I usually tell the residents to try to focus on the cases that we helped and not necessarily think that were out of our control. So what else would you say to critical care residents right now if they're just starting their residency? What advice uh, would you give them? I think it's helpful. You know, it's hard because when you start a residency, you don't necessarily know if you want to do academics or private practice. But I do think having an idea going in could be helpful just to decide, you know, do you want to see more emergency or critical care? Do you want to not see primary cases? Trying to have an idea of what they want their job to be when they finish can help, you know, decide A, where they choose to do a residency and B, sort of how they get their training. A lot of hospitals use criticalists in a lot of different ways. Um, So just trying to figure out what they enjoy doing more, you know, the emergency side or the critical care side or both, um, which again, can be a challenge. 
at the onset of a residency, but trying to figure that out as they go along. You're looking at long hours and how to manage that. And so when you're looking back, what was the most rewarding aspect of your academic career? I think there's a lot of different, you know, I really like teaching and I love seeing old students who've graduated when they come back, you know, when they came back into town for conferences, or I ran into them at conferences. And, you know, they realized that what we were teaching them was very practical emergency medicine, and it was was helpful in their career. So that's very rewarding. Um, I really enjoy talking to owners. So, you know, having owners that reach out and let us know how their pets are doing. And then certainly it's really, I have a lot of pride for our residents. You know, we have a really good pass rate at Auburn. So when the residents complete their residency and passports, that always made me very happy (laughs) Um, just to see them succeeding and finishing and finally sort of seeing that light at the end of the tunnel. What is the pass rate now for for critical uh, it care varies residents. year to year. Yeah, in general, in general. it's probably about 60, 65%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some years it's worse. So I believe last year it was closer to 45 or 50%, but some years it's closer to 70. Um, so it's, it's variable. Okay. So you've kind of made a, a career shift and are now at Blue Pearl. What made you decide to leave academia? So I think, you know, it's, it's hard. I think academics is challenging for a lot of reasons. I mean, I think one of the things I mentioned was there's a lot of administrative duty, which if you don't really enjoy that, it can be overwhelming. Um, And I think, you know, again, you are wearing a lot of different hats. So sometimes it's hard to focus on on one thing or really be good at one thing. And I think luckily, you know, I think for me, I was really lucky because I recognized that I was becoming burnt out and I was able to step away and find another path, um, you know, before it became critical. I think, again, academics, it's just, it's hard sometimes. It's just, you know, it's a lot of work and, you know, pay is usually lower than private practice. And a lot of the times I feel like it's a lot of different jobs sort of rolled into one. So I I was just ready for a change. So this fell into my lap at exactly the right time. And what is your, what are your primary responsibilities now? Yeah, so I'm running, Blue Pearl has what's called the Emerge program. And essentially, it was designed about um, a year and a half ago, a year and a half or so. Um, it's an accelerated emergency training program. And really, I'm sure you know better than anybody, there's a huge shortage of emergency vets right now. I think part of it is emergency medicine is very scary for new graduates and people you know, either don't feel comfortable with knowledge and skills or they don't feel like they get the mentorship they need. So this program was really designed to give those new graduates the skill set and the mentorship they need. Um, so it's a three-year commitment to Blue Pearl with the first year being the training aspect of it. So I took over that program. Um, so I'm in charge for that program development, recruiting, um, sort of all the the details. I do some university recruiting as well. So I, we split up all the universities and I visit about eight or so a year to talk to them about, you know, not just Emerge, but other postgraduate things like internships or just general ER work that they could do. Um, And then I work a little bit with the scientific committee and I still get to review grants. So that lets me still do some research, um, even in private practice. Yeah. So I'm sorry, but I don't quite understand the difference between the Emerge program and an internship is an internships at a specific hospital. And, and and that's a great question. And I think that's, you know, something we have to explain to people. So an internship is really going to be rotating through all different specialties. And it's mostly for people, you know, if they want extra experience, or if they want to do a residency, 
the Emerge program is really designed for people that that know they want to do emergency, but feel like they want a little extra um, support before they start. So the Emerge program isn't, they're not rotating through other specialties. They're really spending their time on ER. They spend the first month with us here in Tampa for boot camp. And basically it's four weeks of lectures and labs. We do a lot of different topics, um, you know, including soft skills like communication and wellness, um, you know, with them during that boot camp. And then after four weeks, they go to their home hospital and that's where they'll spend the next three years. And it's a more graduated program. So there's different phases where they sort of ramp up to being an autonomous um, ER doctor where they get less and less mentorship essentially. So it's very, very heavy mentorship in the beginning and the mentor backs off slowly. And then, you know, they're, they're on ER um, seeing cases by themselves with someone else in the building, but they're functioning as an ER doctor. Um, so this program was really developed for people that that have that career path in mind that they want to do emergency. Um, they don't want to do an internship. The pay is better. Um, so it goes up to a, a market pay within the year. Um, so, you know, internships obviously are, are paid a lot lower as a training program. Um, so it's just a different set of people that that usually choose the Emerge program. Okay, I got it. And is it any location or is that location chosen by Blue Pearl or It's any location. So they interview at the clinic of their choice, just like they would if they were interviewing for a regular emergency clinician job. Um, So it has to be mutual on the associate's end, but also the clinic's end. And then the clinic has to feel that they have the support, you know, that they have um, quality senior emergency clinicians that can provide appropriate mentorship. you know, and that they have the support staff to do that. So right now we have um, associates all over the country. There's about 35 associates spread out over probably about 20 hospitals. That are in the Emerge program? Yep, mm-hmm. at different stages. Got it. And they stay at the same hospital for three years. I believe that's what you yep, said. Yeah, they do. So they, you know, after the first year, they still have a mentor, but really they're only checking in with the mentor if they need to. Um, and at that point, they're a fully functioning ER doctor being paid market rate for those two, uh, the second and third year. Got it. And how long has Blue Pearl had this program? So the first class was in January of 2018. So it's not super um, old, but it's growing very, very quickly. And I think, again, it just filled a need that's out there. Um, you know, a lot of new grads don't want to do internships if they're not going to do a residency, um, but they do want that extra training. So it really, just fills a spot that wasn't there before. And what about mental health? Is there a component of the boot camp that addresses that and helps them get ready for the challenges of emergency medicine? There is. So there, there is some you know resilience and wellness structured in there. One of the things that we do is at this during the second phase, which which starts about week sixteen, we start doing weekly webinars with the group. And again, a lot of them are medical topics, but we do have some wellness and resilience built in there as well. Um, to hopefully give them the tools to at least recognize if they're having a hard time and be able to reach out, um, you know, if they need to. Um, and then again, they have their mentor that they're checking in with fairly frequently. So hopefully issues can be identified early if they're struggling or if there are problems. Was that part of the residency program at Auburn? Were they offered resources in case they were really struggling? Yeah, I mean, there really wasn't a structured part of the residency that was wellness, but with the university, they there are resources available to the residents for free. Um, so, you know, there were a lot of, um, you know, main campus people that would come and talk to the residents as a group about the resources available and 
recognizing warning signs in themselves and in the students um, just to sort of know what to look out for. It sounds like a really neat program that Blue Pearl is doing. I, I've heard of some other smaller groups starting programs like that as well. Yeah, it's really exciting. Yeah. It, it sounds like a win-win for, for Blue Pearl, but yet for the doctors too, because so many of them want to be mentored right, right out of the, the gate and to have a structured program. Yeah, for sure. And I think the goal is, you know, a lot of people leave emergency medicine because they don't feel like they have the support or the skills and they, you know, burn out. They're not happy. There's a lot of different reasons, but the goal would be, you know, if we give people the tools early on, we find these hospitals that really want to invest in the ER doctors. Hopefully they'll want to stay longer than three years. You know, hopefully after three years, they don't all decide to leave. Um, That would be the goal that now we've trained these people. They're excellent doctors. um, They're happy. And then they can become the mentors for the next generation of, of associates. So you're more in a management position in the Emerge program, or do you actually get to do any teaching? I get to do both. So I'm in charge of the program, but I do some of the lectures and labs, um, which is really fun. So it does uh-huh. still provide me with you know the ability to, to teach. Um, the people that are in the program are you know they want to be here, so they're very excited. So it's it's fun, and yeah. I'm glad I still get to do that. And that would happen in Tampa. Yeah. So the boot camp right now is in Tampa twice a year in the summer and then in January. Is it hard to get into the program? No, I mean, right now, basically, they just apply like a regular ER doctor. And if they're interested in the program, um, you know, as long as they're hired on as an ER doctor, they can join the program. So there's not a lot of um, specific application material that they have to provide or anything like that. So, okay. So it's not competitive. Not at this point. I mean, we're trying to, you know, this year in July, we had 15 associates, which is a fairly big class. So you know, trying to figure out what's the max number that we would want to have. We wouldn't want to turn people away. We would probably just increase the number of classes that we do per year if we needed to. Um, But we really, you know, want people that want to be in the program to be able to join. And taking another step back, Dr. Basic, when you look at your career, is there anything you would have done differently or any thoughts on that? You know, I really love emergency critical care. I think it's a little frustrating sometimes. There are some specialties that get paid much, much better. And certainly it's not all about money, but, you know, I think we all have student loans that we worry about. I don't think I would change anything. I mean, I've been very happy and I feel lucky that I was able to, you know, move into another job that makes me happy. Maybe if I could go back in time, I would have looked at cardiology as a specialty. I mean, when I was an intern, I honestly was deciding between cardio and ECC. And I picked ECC because of the variety, because you do get to see a little bit of everything and still do, you know, some cardio, some surgery, some neuro. And, you know, I think that's really interesting and exciting to not know exactly what your day is going to be like. So I, I, my final answer is no, I would not change anything. Uh-huh. It's got to be a very rewarding career. It is. And I think, again, you know, being in academics, I, I really enjoyed my time there. Um, I think teaching, you know, it's just fun to teach students that are excited to, you know, start their careers and they're excited about doing different procedures and learning things. And, um, you know, certainly the animals that, you know, we help save is always rewarding seeing them go home and the owner's happy. Um, that's always great. Well, thank you, Dr. Basic. This has been wonderful. Yeah, I'm excited to learn more about or to hear more about what you've 
what it was like choosing academics versus private practice. And most people do say that teaching is, is what takes them to academia. So it's, you know, it's an interesting career path. And I think it's wonderful. The program seems so interesting that, you know, you're kind of trying to, to, to make a change in the industry by helping these younger doctors get a better start is what it seems like to me. Right. Exactly. I think it's really trying to address why do people leave emergency medicine and how can we try to help that area? You know, so giving people again, if they don't feel comfortable with the knowledge and the skills, but also wanting the support and a mentor, I think trying to trying to do that will hopefully keep everyone happy and wanting to stay in emergency longer. Right. And, and hopefully help the, the shortage go away. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. And it was great to, to learn more. And you've just been so gracious. So thank you. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. I hope that it provided some useful information for you. If I can help you in any way as you are considering a career move, please let me know. I work with veterinary hospitals and academic institutions throughout North America, and I would love to learn more about your career path.